Hey hikers, welcome to the Thruer Podcast, where we talk to new and experienced long distance or through hikers about their adventures on and off trail. I'm your host, Cheer. Everyone and welcome back to the Thruer Podcast. Today we are talking to Emily or Dim Sum, who hiked the Pacific Crest Trail as part of our trail team. In this episode, we talk about so many things, including her crazy organ storm experience, her militant organ challenge. A lot of stuff happened in Oregon for her. <laughs> her trail name, how she got it, an unexpected zero and the wonderful cause that she was hiking for. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but as an added bonus for people who are listening now, we are going to be doing a fun IG live on the Thruer Instagram, and she will be our guest on January 14th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So if you guys can tune in to that, you can ask her questions yourself. There is a big list of questions that her followers have asked her over time, and I'm going to facilitate those questions. So if you guys could join, that would be amazing. And let's just get right into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Emily or Dim Sum. Thank you for coming on, Dim Sum or Emily. How are you today? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Really good. Really excited to talk with you about your PCT trek. And I know it was very eventful because you, um, while I was hiking the CDT, I was listening into our podcast. We had an editor working on the podcast and I would listen to your episode and be like, oh my gosh, she went through that. (laughs) So I'm so excited to talk with you about your adventures. So just for the listeners out there, we're going to just go through kind of how this is going to go. We're going to have an intro for you, Emily, so you can introduce yourself, where you're from, that sort of thing, whatever you want our listeners and viewers to know. And then we're going to go over our rapid fire questions. So these are kind of meant to be quick and fun. And then we're going to get into our 10 core questions. So this, these are the questions that I ask every experienced hiker that gets on. And then um, after that, we're just going to close with some maybe follow-up questions. And then I'd love to talk to you about, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, organization that you hiked for um, in benefit for Kodo. So I'd love to learn more about that and um, if people can donate where they can go and that sort of thing. So with that, Emily, um, go ahead and give an intro for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, my name is Emily. I got the trail name Dim Sum when I was on the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, In case you haven't noticed, I am English. I live in England. um, So it's quite a big thing for me to go and do the PCT this year. I was hoping to do it last year in 2021, and because of the pandemic, that didn't happen. Um, I wanted to do the PCT for 10 years, so I finally put, finally put the plan into action um, and, and, and finished it in September. Um, I'm, I'm back at home now, um, back to work. I was lucky to have six months off work, so um, back, back to normality now. So it's really nice to be able to catch up with you and and reshare and relive my experience because it's kind of all gone back to normal now (laughs) right and eventually people at home at least this is my experience don't want to hear about hiking anymore because I've talked about it so much yeah you have this sweet spot where you can talk about it for about half an hour I actually made a photo book just in time to catch them for that 30 minutes that people are actually interested in hearing what you have to say and it's sort of like I've been carrying this photo book around with me for two months now we're showing it to anyone that that wants to listen (laughs) That's a really great idea. And you got it right, like right quick when you got home, which is a good idea because that's yeah, more yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. to ask you about it. Yeah. So that's great. Wonderful. Well, let's get into our rapid fire questions. So the first one, we're getting right into the gritty details. Um, what was the grossest thing you did or ate while on trail? Uh, I think the grossest thing I did was look after my feet in public spaces outside tents. And I had to I was getting a lot of blisters um, and the blisters were just piling up on top of each other. And I, and I thought it was best to leave the skin there to protect your feet because the blisters are there for a reason. You shouldn't cut them off. But it got to a point where there was just so much dead skin on my feet. I had to cut the skin off. Um, and I kind of did it in the same area that I was eating in. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that was probably the grossest thing I did. But my, my food, my diet was pretty good. So I, I didn't, 
I didn't cross too many boundaries of what acceptable food is. But yeah, I think this is my feet. I got, I got known for having disgusting feet in my family. So. <laughs> yep, that could that could be disgusting for most hikers, I think. <laughs> yeah. But I love the hiker trash move where you're like dealing with it while you're maybe eating or at a picnic table yeah. or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're just you're just so tired at the end of the day that you you get into camp and you're like, right, this this is where my tent goes. This is where I'm sitting. This is where I'm going to eat. And I'm just going to do everything in this spot, whether it's hygiene, feet, cooking. You're looking at your map for the next day. It's just, it's just you sit down and then that's where you stay. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. <laughs> All right. That's great. Next question is UL or don't care? Ultralight or don't care? I don't really care. I, I try to go ultralight with some things, but you can like a tent, sleeping bag, but everything else for most of my trip, I was. I'm there to enjoy it and not to try to make a record of how many miles I'm doing and how light everything is. So I, I, I didn't weigh my bag. I didn't record how much everything weighed before I, before I left. But I think about midway through the trip. So when I was, um, well, it was more than midway. The midway points in California is when I was in California, when I was in Oregon, I, I actually got rid of quite a lot of my um, stuff in my bag because I was going from like 20 mile days to 30 mile days. And you just can't do that with a heavy pack. So I got rid of my, I, I mailed my camera, my lens, um, some of my heavier winter stuff, my down jacket ahead to Washington where it's going to get a little bit colder. So I had a, a good month where I was probably about as light as I could go. But again, I didn't weigh anything. Like I'm, I'm not so interested in, in the ground counting. I'm more interested in the experience outside of that. So, yeah. Right. And how it feels on your body too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just at the end of the day, when you've got some things that are just a bit more comfortable and you've got you kind of assess like am I saving myself 50 grams or at the end of the day have I got something that's a bit more comfortable for me to use and I'm warm at night and it's the right sleeping bag for me and it's the right tent for me and I, and I, I think a lot of people might have cut weight on food and, I, and I, I carried a lot of food and I like to eat nice food so I guess the food that I was choosing was heavier so I was I did I did a blog recently about this um how to go ultralight from a not ultralighter because I would not class myself as ultralight at all but there's been sections where I've really learned where the weight's coming from and it's for me it's food um if you're doing slow days it's taking you longer to get from a to b so you need more food but if you can find that sweet spot of walking faster having a lighter pack you don't need to carry as much food so uh, yeah so that was a big learning curve actually but I mean you lose weight either way <laughs> I'm sure when you do your hiking it's it's yeah it's that sweet spot of how much food do you need versus miles and the weight of your pack right mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like you you found that in Oregon right yeah 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 but then when it gets cold you have to carry more more clothes and yeah it's it's, it's very difficult to manage that balance I think yeah yeah it is a learning curve especially when it's your first hike too and and yeah. the PCT was <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong the PCT was your first long distance hike correct yeah. yeah, yeah. In the UK, we don't have such long distance hikes. Most hikes are sort of 100, 200 miles. There are some really big, crazy walks you can do across all of the UK, matching up lots of smaller hikes to, to, to make the big distance of the UK. I mean, big, it's like 600 miles. Um, so the biggest I've done is 100 miles, which is a completely different ball game to doing 2,600. So there was there was a lot I learned on, on, the, on the trail and, and things that I just hadn't really thought about. So... Yeah, food was one of them over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Okay, next question: boots or trail runners? Um, trail runners, which is um, probably quite controversial to what I was advertising on my social media before I left, because I wasn't. I am a, still a boot person. In the UK, it's muddy, it's wet. Are you a boot person as well? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm similar to you. I'm a boot person. I love. I love Danner boots. They're like my favorite. But um. And I hiked Mount Whitney in Danner boots, like a separate trip and stuff before the PCT. But I was a trail runner. I'm a trail runner person on long distance hikes. So maybe similar to you. Yeah, well, I I was boots all the way and I I hadn't done any walking in trainers before I went on the PCT. And I I started in trainers knowing why you wear trainers because it's so much lighter um, and just, just softer on your feet overall over a longer period of time. 
but my feet just weren't used to it. I, I, I think I got so many blisters because my feet just were not used to walking long distance in trainers. Um, and, I, and I tried one pair of trainers to begin with, which was the uh, Ultra Olympus 4. And they were fine. And I probably should have tried more, more types of trainers before I left. But I thought I haven't got time to all the money to play around with different trainers before I go. And when I'm on the, on the trail, I'll just my feet will get blisters and, and then I'll be done. I, that didn't work. I got blisters the whole way through. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Since I've come back to the UK, I've been walking in boots again. And the boots have given me blisters, which I never did before I went on the PCT, which is interesting. <laughs> Sometimes it's a mystery. So what um, trainers or trail runners did you end mm -hmm. up going with the whole time? Did you switch up as you hiked or did you did you say with no, was I it just, Olympus? I just kept with the Olympus for, yeah. Yeah. I actually use men's because they're wider. Yeah, my feet. My feet went up two sizes in week one. Week one? Like, yeah, <laughs> I think it was a mixture of the desert, and I'd come from winter in the UK and not really hiking in that sort of dry, warm conditions. Um, and just the day after day pressure you put on your feet. And my feet, I've been back from the U from the PCT for two months now, and I think my feet have only just shrunk back to their pre-PCT size. <laughs> That's so interesting. So the first week you went up yeah. two sizes and then then you were <clears throat> consistently two sizes the whole way, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they shrunk a little bit overnight and I noticed there's a lot of space in my trainers in the morning, but by the evening they were filling the trainers again. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of people, as they hike, their feet like progressively get mm. bigger. Like mine did yeah. half size, you know, every, I don't know. 800 ish miles. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's mad. I didn't expect that at all. I thought, like you said, over, over a longer period of time, but I got to Julian and my, my trainers that I'd started off with, which I knew were not going to be my kind of like proper PCT trainers. I knew I was going to have to upgrade them. Um, I got to the one of the gear stores in Julian. It was like two sizes too big to, for me, but they fit. So that's what I stuck with. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's. Yeah. everybody's body is different too yeah yeah interesting but it is it is uh there is learning curve because this isn't something you've done before this is no nice. so you just got to learn as you go and see what your body does too your body yeah. makes yeah. space for you to do this so it's actually yeah. a very beautiful thing but it's also like wait two like the first week <laughs> this wasn't supposed to happen yeah I was just thinking all my all my shoes at home are not going to fit <laughs> I, I have had to buy some new pairs of shoes since I've come back and my boots didn't fit when I first got back, but they, they do fit now. Maybe that's why they're giving me blisters because my feet are still just a little bit on the plump side for those boots. <laughs> right. And that's good. Your feet shrank all the way back to your pre-PCT. Mine are still a half size bigger. Like, oh, right. that's it. So all yeah. of my shoes, and I, I actually, have a, I did a lot of downgrading with all of my stuff after I got back from the PCT because then it's like minimalistic living. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all of my shoes do not fit me anymore so I have to buy you know I've had to buy oh, some yeah because nothing yeah. it's an expensive problem <laughs> yes but you know I don't want as many things anymore as I used to back before long distance hiking so anyway yeah. um I'm, I'm glad your feet have shrunk to your normal <laughs> me too thank you <laughs> it's cheaper that way yeah perfect okay next rapid fire question stove or cold soak stove I, I was too scared to cold soak. I cold soaked a few times. Um, when there was long water carries, I would fill up, I, I had quite a lot of freeze dried foods. So I'd fill up the bag with water, cold soak it, and then everything else that would carry water for the like 23 mile stretches or more that you do where there's no water. I would cold soak that way so I wouldn't have to carry water into camp on top of what I was carrying. So that, I mean, it worked fine. I had a few um, not so nice meals, like I'm a bit fussy with food, but. No, I, I like having a hot meal and having, um, I got into having pasta quite a lot and yeah. That's great yeah. for the trail, lots of carbs and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, Nice. Okay, so that's it for rapid fire, thank you. And now we're getting into the 10 main questions I ask every hiker. So we know your trail name is Dim Sum. How did yeah. you get that trail name? Um, I work for a company that makes Dim Sum. I guess that's, how it happens but I love food I talk about food I'm always looking at food packaging always talking about 
different food products in in stores and giving people like nutrition advice and food advice and so over the few weeks at, at the start of the trail people were sort of like why are you talking so much about food and then, and then I spoke well actually it's my it's my job back in the UK I I manage um, a site that handles dim sum we make dim sum and so I'm kind of managing food safety and quality uh, for that site and someone said why don't you get your trail name dim sum you make dim sum and I was like yep yeah, okay I'll take that <laughs> I know trail names stick sometimes so I was I was happy with dim sum before it turned into anything else <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect for you. And I, it's so interesting that people question, why are you talking about food all the time? That's like a hiker thing to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose it's more the like health aspects. Because uh, I, <laughs> I, okay. I can be a bit of a know it all, I suppose. I'd, I'd be sat next to people being like, you know, you're just eating carbohydrates, nothing else. You don't have any protein in your, in your ramen and your ramen bomb. Or why don't you put some jerky in it? Why don't you do this? You know, be more nutritious. So yeah, I, I got a bit of a name for myself to begin with. <laughs> Oh, so you were kind of coaching people. Is that right? Like, oh, you yeah, a little bit. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for me, it just seemed obvious that you should be having a balanced diet because you're putting your body through so much. You're right. doing an athletic sport in a way and you would expect to fuel your body in that way and, and you would recover quicker and um, feel better and, and just have more energy overall. But some people don't see it like that and it's you know maybe there's budget and all sorts of things that come into it which means people just perhaps are not eating the right foods so I yeah I, I put my my thoughts in in sometimes yeah yeah I'm sure um they appreciated that and we are going to be getting into food later in this interview so I'm very excited to hear more about that <laughs> okay question number two what drew you to long distance hiking um well to be honest I watched the film Wild with Reese Witherspoon and is it is it, is it Cheryl or Carol Strayed? From the Cheryl Strayed. Cheryl, Cheryl Strayed, yeah. So I watched the book, that, sorry, I watched the film 10 years ago with my sister um, just before I was starting university and uh, the cinematography in the film was just absolutely incredible. Um, I was so drawn to Pacific Crest Trail specifically because you see her go through desert and snow and mountains and like lush green forests and just incredible scenes and the journey she had with the challenges and 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 facing everything and having that journey it just really appealed to me so I think since then I've been getting better at doing wild camping and little adventures and weekend hikes and whenever I travel somewhere I go for like a two-day hike somewhere wherever it is I end up and it's just evolved over time I think I love traveling and seeing different ways of life and culture and you know to to you you're in America doing an American trail but part of the appeal for me is I'm learning about Americans and your way of life and your and everything that you're doing is is different to the UK so it's massively appealing to me with my travel bug Um, and I've just become more active over the years I did some marathons and just got more into um, health and activity so it's just like accumulation of effects that in lockdown a couple of years ago I was like right I'm doing it this is what I'm going to do and I uh, really committed to it yeah and you made it happen mm. great and we'll get more into your specific adventures in a second so speaking of that question number three is what were your favorite and least favorite pieces we're getting into gear pieces of gear and okay. if you're going to be doing I'm sure you're going to be doing future hikes what are you going to uh-huh. switch up so favorite, least favorite, and then maybe switching up for the future. Yeah, my favorite's got to be my sleeping bag. I absolutely love my sleeping bag. I've got a Sea to Summit Flame Three Lady sleeping bag. So I think it's designed a little bit differently to have the right um, fill of down in in certain areas that's a bit different to women. So I've never been cold. I think it got down to minus four on on, on trail. I've used that bag plenty of times in Scotland when it's been snowing and I am never cold I absolutely love it and it's so cozy I actually just washed it recently because it was not clean <laughs> after the PCT um and it's like it's brand new again um it did get too hot in the summer so that that was one thing um I suppose if I was looking at switching I'd like to perhaps experiment with a new bag I've I've been using an Osprey um it's a 36 litre bag with a with a lid and a, and a top and a bottom so it's probably more like 46 litres but it's not an ultralight bag 
I've got a lot of support on it. So for someone like me that doesn't care about weight as much, it's better to, to support the weight on my back. But yeah, I, I, I did, I'm, I'm intrigued by the ultralight world. And I think I've seen what you can do if you've got a light pack. So I'm thinking, oh, what, what can I switch out? So maybe the bag might be it. And then you're forced to have to bring your weight down if the bag's light. Right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Great. What? Okay. And then, so that's the switch up. What about like least favorite piece of gear? Like, was there something that you brought and then you just got rid of right away? Cause you were like, you know what? I thought this was a good idea, but it's really not. Let me yeah. put this in the paper box. Yeah. I bought a tripod with me because I bought my camera and a lens and I actually bought two lenses. So I ditched the lens quite quickly because I just was not using it. I had, I had like a super wide angle lens and I was hoping to do night sky photography um, and I was asleep by nine o'clock and it's still light at nine o'clock. So I didn't do any night sky photography. So I sent that um, lens somewhere back, back to my friends. And then I had a tripod to go alongside my camera to be able to do night sky photography. I just never used it. So I think there's lots of gadgets and things and cables and wires. I hadn't really optimized my technology. So yeah, just stuff like that. I, I, I ditched quite quickly. Okay. Yep. And that's why we ask those questions. So the new hikers who are listening in can kind of get insights like, okay, what, what worked, what didn't, what do you get yeah. rid of right away? So, okay. Camera equipment and that sort of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think actually if I was to do the PCC again, I probably wouldn't even take a camera. Yeah. I, I know there's people that absolutely love taking photos and I've, I've met plenty of them and they take absolutely stunning photos and for them, that's a priority on the trail. But for me, I'm quite social and I, would rather stop and chat to someone than stop and like set up my camera and and, and do that so yeah I, I think the gadget side I'd rather just be more minimal just have a phone and, and have a phone with the camera and that'll be it yeah yeah and the camera that's all I use on trail mm -hmm. um the phones on your or the phone yeah cameras on your phone are getting better and better and better as time goes on so that's all you yeah. really you know yeah. need if you want to go minimal yeah perfect okay we're getting into memories now so question number four what is your favorite and your worst memory on trail? And this might be a little different than the next question, which is scariest. So I think I okay. know what you're going to okay. say for scariest. There's the three. Um, but in this question, it's just your favorite and your least favorite memories. Okay. I think the most memorable favorite memory I have, there were so many, it's very difficult to choose, but th this one's very visual. So it comes to mind quite quickly. I was walking in Washington in Goats Rocks, goats rock wilderness I, I think we're towards the end of the area and we'd planned I was just with one other girl another girl from England dirt magnet um we planned to to camp on a ridge line and I was really hopeful there'd be a nice sunset and we'd, we'd force ourselves to kind of keep on going that day we wanted to stop but we kind of need to get the miles in um so we, we ended up camping at this spot and we could see Mount Rainier um in the skyline and there was mountains below Mount Rainier and the sun was beginning to set and it just must have been the kind of optimum light situation for the sky to be the most beautiful pinks and orange and purples I've ever seen it was just the most stunning sunset and there was there was sort of a cloud inversion below um, Mount Rainier and there was just this sort of waterfall of clouds and this it looked like something out of a science fiction film. We were just sat there having our dinner, just thinking, wow, we are so lucky to be on this ridgeline, seeing this sunset. There's no one else around. It's just me and Dirt Magnet. And it was just so special because hiking um, into the night, you, you, don't, you, see the, you see the stars, which is lovely, but then quite often you, you miss out on the sunset. You're walking or maybe you're at camp and you're, you're tired and you're, not, you know, you're in the woods, you're in like a... A, a green tunnel we call it so you don't really see the sunset so it's for me and the experience I had throughout the whole PCT it was very rare to be somewhere where you had just such a stunning view of the sunset and it was just yeah the, the pictures I've got just don't do it justice right I found that too when I would take a picture of something beautiful it would look totally different than what I was actually yeah. seeing so I tried yeah. to take that in as much as possible <laughs> yeah but the, me the memories there, like the just the pink color was just incredible. Yeah. So that I love. Okay. So I love talking about this because I had a similar experience. So every time I, I interview somebody, I compare and contrast like what I experienced. And it's funny. I, I didn't camp 
near Goat Rocks. I hiked in, was it White Pass? Right mm-hmm. after. So I hiked in a white pass. And so I kind of like was hiking past goat rocks and then kind of the green tunnel into white pass. But the sun was setting as I was hiking right before I got yeah. to the green tunnel. I had a similar experience. One of my best photos I took on the PCT was there because yeah. the sunset was unreal. So yeah. I wonder if in that area that tends to happen. I yeah. Don't know. yeah, perhaps. Yeah. And then the next day we got up quite early to continue walking into town and there was another cloud inversion we, we'd missed the sunrise but it was still that like beautiful sort of dusky colors and we were just turning round on the ridges and every ridge bend it was just like wow this is just a beautiful area yeah really is that's one of the places I want to go back to just and it's mm. easily easy access yeah um, there's roads sort of like it's a block there's a road one end and then the other end and you kind of do the walk in like two or three days. And I mean, some people rush through and just do it in a day, but yeah. Yeah. I think you did it right. I think you just breaking it at that little section up and camping yeah. and going into town was a good call. Yeah. Beautiful there. Wonderful. Okay. What about Lee's favorite memory? What just sucked? Um, I think accumulation of things over a period of time I mean there's a few particular mornings I remember waking up I was in sort of in Oregon heading into Washington towards the end of my trip I'd picked up the miles a lot um I was finding it hard to eat enough for the miles I was doing I was mentally tired my body was tired I'd lost a lot of body fat so I was just burning on like nothing and in the I was finding it hard to sleep in my tent still and, and there were several mornings. I remember one morning particularly in Washington, I woke up and I was just so uncomfortable, so tired, um, really struggling to, to, to force myself to keep going. Um, but you have to, in the middle of nowhere. Like, and then, yeah, so there's, there was quite a few mornings towards that period that I just felt like, this is really hard. Everything hurts. I didn't have injuries, but all of your muscles hurt. And then you stand up and the, that first footstep when you get out of the tent, it's like, ow, everything hurts. Um, and then I, you get something out for breakfast that you don't particularly want to eat. And you just feel sorry for yourself for a while. So yeah, I think there was two mornings like that, though. Yeah, my, my least favorite memories. But in a way, they're my favorite as well, because um, I did it. So you know, I know how I felt and I did it. So, yeah. Right. You push through that little, the little setbacks and yeah. I'm feeling sorry for myself. This sucks. Yeah. I'm not comfortable. Yeah. But yeah. You finished. So you made it through yeah. those hard times. Yep. Love it. Okay. Now let's, I think I know what you're going to say because you I believe had a podcast episode about this incident. So what was your scariest uh, incident or moment on trail? I think we're talking about the storm, aren't we? Yeah, in Oregon, yeah. right? Oregon yeah. storm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely the scariest moment. Um, we we attempted to do the Oregon challenge. I was with Dirt Magnet, my English friend, and Lizzie King, my German friend. Um, with the three of us, we planned out our Oregon challenge for two weeks. Uh, we'd sent resupply boxes ahead. We'd, we'd figured everything out and we're like militant. We were like, we're going to do it. So it might, might have been the, the second or the third day. I'd done my first my first 32 mile day on trail and was feeling pretty happy with myself. And we'd found quite a good camp spot on a ridge line. It was protected by trees and um, I'd found a perfectly flat spot. I was really proud to pitch my tent because the night before I hadn't slept on a flat spot and I hadn't slept very well. So I was thinking I'm going to have the best night's sleep tonight. Um, and then it started raining as, as we, as we'd eaten and got into our tents. I was like, okay, well, we knew it was going to rain. That's fine. My tent can handle it. And then the rain got heavier Then thunder and lightning started to come in and the, the thunder and lightning, I have never experienced any, anything like this. The, the thunder was uh, vibrating the floor you could feel the floor vibrating and the thunder and lightning were happening at the same time so it was apparent that the lightning was definitely above us and sort of ripping around our campsite with like triple lightning bolts as the th- it's just it was just so intense and I felt like I could see my bones when the, the lightning was crashing um so that 
was just quite a, a scary experience realizing that a lot of the forest fires are made by lightning strikes and there hadn't been much rain for, for weeks if not months in that area and back in north california there was a really major forest fire and hundreds of pct hikers had to be evacuated over a hundred mile stretch of trail and we could see the fires behind us as we were leaving california so it was quite scary which we i was shouting out to my friends and i couldn't hear them because of the noise of the storm and i i could i started to started to hear dirt magnet shout in a little bit more of a panicked voice than lizard king so i decided to get up and see what she was doing because she was sleeping in a tarp tent so she didn't, she didn't have a um a solid tent she was either doing like cowboy camping or she'd put up a tarp just to protect herself um and i began to get myself ready and i noticed my tent was starting to float and i looked outside my tent and there was probably four inches of water just about on around my bathtub base of my tent and my bag was just floating on top of it and I thought, there's going to be a flash flood or my tent's going to collapse and I'm going to go down with it. And then there's going to be a fire next to me. It was just all these scenarios are running through my mind. Um, so I, I put all my stuff in dry bags, went out to my, my friend Dirt Magnet and her possessions were everywhere floating underneath her, her, her tarp shelter. And she had a battery pack, her camera, her phone, all her clothes just floating. And her, her bag, her sleeping bag was completely submerged. So um we didn't really know what to do and um both of us were soaked at this point we managed to pack all of our stuff away eventually and went back into lizard king's tent he's got a little one-man tent and we just sat there shivering like what are we gonna do we're like running through all the scenarios of like there's only one trail up and one trail back there's no like get out of jail cards like different trails um we just sat there for now like what what do we do so we, we decide let's pack everything up and go let's wait for the wait the wait wait for the um thunder and lightning storm to finish and we could hear it in the distance we knew it was it was reasonably safe to leave and it's it was still rainy but it wasn't heavy um so yeah we we walked we done we done our 32 miles and then we walked i think like another 15 miles into mazama village near crater lake but that 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 i, I can't remember it's like 12 15 miles i can't remember exactly how much it was um that walk was in the darkness because it was one o'clock in the morning. There was no moonlight or starlight because there was clouds covering everything and it was pitch black. So you're, you're walking in a tunnel and you can't see either side of you. But when you do turn to one side or the other, you know you're on a ridge line. And you can also know that you're in a, in a burn zone because the trees are all burned and you can start to smell smoke as well, which my mind was thinking, well, is it a fire? Is, is it the, the smell of smoke that you sometimes get when you walk through a burnt area? And we, we turned around another ridge line and we could see a, a, a tree on fire on, a, I assume, another ridge line in the distance. And it was just, the next day when we'd recovered from all of it, I realized actually how dangerous that potentially could have been. Um, and there was, uh, the rain had washed away a lot, of the, a lot of the trails so there was one bit which we spent 20 minutes the three of us trying to find the trail because it was a sandy sort of trail and it just washed away and we couldn't see where the trail was and my my um my headlamp ran out of battery dirt man didn't have a headlamp or she did it probably would have the water would have broken it and yeah it was just like one thing after another and then we got into mazama village and a lot of other people had been um wetted out by the by the storm but I don't think anyone had ventured out at one in the morning to try to do that last stretch and I just it was just mad and I, in the moment it was it was really scary um just it's very intense experience with, with the thunder and lightning and the fear of the, the fire I think yeah yeah I imagine a lot of fear and then just maybe even the sinking feeling once you realize the water was coming up. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah what yeah yeah yeah, How yeah I, was, I was so proud of my my camp spot as well and the ground's just really hydrophobic it's just not absorbing any water so it's it, yeah I, I can imagine just all of us in our tents just like flying down the mountain you do hear about these things happen not necessarily with campers but like mudslides and that sort of thing with flash floods definitely yeah and um that does sound very scary and even just like what you're saying you guys got up and hiked at a certain point out of there that must have been like you're saying really difficult to find the trail yeah. it was probably washed out was it very yeah. nice? like it was hard was it really hard to just take one step after the other was it kind of okay 
it was mixed. I think there were sections where it was that sort of like gritty, sandy soil. So it was it was pretty solid, but um, there was a lot of blowdowns on the on the on the trail, and we were like, "Have these come down from the storm, or are they were they here already? Um, is it safe for us to keep walking?" Yeah. But if we'd stayed in our camp in one person's tent that was still not flooded, we 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 were shivering and cold. We had we kind of had to keep moving, otherwise I don't know hypothermia could have become a thing. But it was, yeah, it was. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you guys did the safest thing is just to keep warm. But then I can't imagine going over blowdowns in the dark. In the dark, yeah, and not knowing whether you go over a blowdown then you lose the trail because normally you go over a blowdown you can see the trail, but if you've just got it was one headlamp in the end between the three of us we're sort of holding hands and like keeping dirt magnet in the middle and <laughs> yeah oh yeah this is one of the craziest stories I've heard so far um and my experience is included too <laughs> yeah it's pretty mad it's like uh, yeah I wish Wait, I'd taken I... some more pictures or something but in the moment I didn't want to get my phone wet no yeah in yeah. those situations it's kind of like hey I need to survive this yeah. like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the phone the cameras are like second yeah. to this so yeah you, your focus was in the right place <laughs> I did I felt like I went into survival mode I was, I was sort of like everything I need to keep everything dry I'm putting everything in dry bags is everyone else okay this is what we're doing I don't know actually I'm a bit scared like what should we do <laughs> Yeah, there's no time to break out your phone and film because what yeah, if, yeah. if this thing gets wet? You need to make sure it's dry. So yeah, I feel like you made a good call there. <laughs> but oh my gosh, I'm so glad you guys made it. And I think I messaged you on yeah. Instagram because yeah, I, yeah, after yeah. I listened to it, I think I was in Helena at the time at a coffee shop and then walking to the post office listening at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, I have to like make sure she's okay or just like say, I'm so glad you made it through. Yeah, this. thank you. Yeah, I, I think I was, <laughs> I knew I knew how dramatic the story was. So I I, I thought, right, this is going to make a good, a good podcast. And um, yeah, I just, no, no one else experienced that on trail at all. We, we met a lot of people that got wet in that storm, but I think a mixture of exactly where we were and the storm being over us and the flood. And then having to hike out. So, yeah. And the headlamp situation, just like the stars aligned, I think, for you yeah. in the worst yeah, way yeah, possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you guys I had no out. food. I'd run out of food. I think I had like two bars left. So we, you, oh, know. you ran out of food? Oh. Well, we were going to town the next day. So I knew I could survive, but that's true. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, um, for the listeners, I'm gonna link, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to this specific episode. So I'll make a note of that so don't forget. Yeah, because that was kind of right a little bit after this. Yeah, I'm sure happened. I'm a lot more emotive in that one because it, it was all it was all real, and I was yeah. I think actually when I was podcasting, I really enjoyed doing that, doing my Oregon podcast because I knew I was doing the Oregon challenge, and I knew it was going to be like quite fast paced to get through everything. And I thought this would be quite a cool opportunity to do it live, and all the all the fires were happening around us as well. So um, there was closures behind us, in front of us. So we were just having to deal with a lot. And that was something I did not have to, I didn't expect to, to deal with on the PCP. Um, just that rapid change that happens and you just have to react quickly and make another plan and then you make a plan and then you have to make another plan and just everything changes so quickly. And then the storm on top of that, it was just, I think I recorded for my benefit thinking and for other people thinking a lot of people won't know they have to deal with this sort of thing on trail. I mean, my experience was quite extreme, but forest fires for sure. Um, yeah, it gets very tricky and dangerous. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for recording those. Um, and yeah, for the listeners, if you want to go back into the previous episodes, you'll see we titled each one dim sum. So you can go back and listen, but I am going to link specifically to the one where you go over this incident because it was so like interesting to hear about it. And I know <laughs> you just described it again, but it, it's kind of cool to compare. Like it's just fresh. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> I should listen to it again actually yeah 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 wow yeah that's crazy and sometimes in the moment too you're like is this bad or is it just me like sometimes mm -hmm. you question like is this really bad mm -hmm. when you're in the moment it's like yeah. oh well, I just yeah. gotta take care of this I gotta figure this yeah. out but then looking back on it you're like whoa this was intense and you ask other hikers and they're like no that was bad like never <laughs> yeah, had to yeah, deal yeah. with that <laughs> yeah 
It's a very intense, scary moment. Yep. All right, moving on. Number six, we're getting into food now, our favorite. Yeah, food. my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> Where and what was your best town meal? I know this is difficult. Ooh. You could say a couple too, if you have like some really good ones. I had a really good Mexican meal. Um, I had a lot of really good Mexican meals, but I'd say Aquadolce. Um, there's a Mexican restaurant there, which is quite famous with hikers because the trail literally walks past it. Um, and I think it might have been Cinco de Mayo, the day I walked through. So there's a lot of hikers there drinking margaritas. It's a good vibe. Um, and Mexican food is really good in, in California. We, we get Mexican food in the UK, you get it all around the world, but I think you're so close to Mexico, obviously you're gonna have your Mexican food. So that, that was probably my first like, oh, this is what Mexican food's supposed to be like. Yeah, it was really good. All right, nice, love it. Okay, moving on to on-trail food. So what's your favorite thing to prepare on-trail or what's your favorite snacks mm. on-trail? I got into the habit of eating, um, it's a bit bougie. <laughs> I got into the habit of eating um, like dried pasta, like ravioli, you know, like the filled pasta, because you can buy it dry in a bag on the shelf and then it's sort of dehydrated and quite light, but it takes a long time to cook because it's dehydrated. Or you can buy it fresh. So the fresh pasta is heavier because it's got water in it still, but it takes two minutes to boil in the water. So I'd, I'd have like a whole thing of, like, I don't know, tortellini, ravioli, different things. And I just put all the oil in it, um, maybe some cheese, maybe a tomato. Um, that would be kind of what I hike out with for the first two days. And I just quite enjoyed that process of just putting something not tasty together. Uh, it's quite high in calories as well, and it's tasty, so you eat more of it. I, I, I quite like doing ramen dishes, so I'd use ramen like it was pasta and maybe put like a blue cheese sauce in it or um, like a tomato sauce or just treat it like it's noodles instead of making it into like a, a soupy dish. Mayonnaise, I put mayonnaise in everything. <laughs> and a bottle of mayonnaise with me and that would go in my ramen and my pasta, my wraps and bagels. Yeah, so I, I think sort of pastry things with sauces, yeah. So you mentioned tomato sauce. How would you carry tomato sauce or what would you do for the tomato sauce? Because I know people don't want to carry the glass jars around, right? Yeah, what yeah. You use. Sometimes you can get a um a, a bottle, uh, uh, what's it, a plastic jar. In, you can't see them very often in stores, but I'd move it into the um the ice cream that everyone, what's it? Uh, Talenti? Talenti, that's it, yeah. So I'd, I'd get Talenti ice cream in town, eat the ice cream and then um switch it around yeah, it works out quite heavy because you're basically carrying like watery tomato juice. <laughs> but um, for the first day, it depends. depends what you're after, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds worth it. And it does sound very luxurious. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. OK, moving on. Question number eight. So this is a this is a tough one for everybody. So if you want to give multiple answers, that's completely fine. What was the nicest thing? someone did for you on trail or in town so this could be like a trail angel situation etc I know it's tough is, yeah. <laughs> I think in the groups of friends that you make everyone looks out for each other so you're always doing like little nice things for each other and sharing food and waiting for each other and checking in you're all okay um so there's no particular standout moment. I just remember being very touched by a lot of people's kindness in my in my family. Um, I think one of the the, ni the nicest sort of surprises from it from a nice situation was I we we I was in a group of eight in the in the Sierra Mountains and we were coming out of Sonora Pass, which is kind of the end, and you go down to Kenny Meadows North. So we were, we were hiking down the mountain and kind of onto the main road where you'd hitched to Kennedy Meadow North. And there was a, um, a female hiker who um, had, had, I'd never seen her before, but she'd gone ahead and come back and she, she'd met up with this guy that lived locally. We had kind of like a family cabin or something like that. And she was trying to 
encourage him to become a trail angel. And um, she was inviting hikers that are just coming down from the mountain to go and stay with them in um, an area called Pinecrest. No. I can't remember exactly the name, but it's in that area. It's, there's, a, there's a lake, there's cabins. Um, so she, she and him, the, the new trail angel, invited the eight of us to go and stay there. And it was just such a lovely experience because I wasn't expecting to stay with a trail angel. Quite often you would plan ahead to stay with a trail angel. Um, you might call them, contact them or, or whatever. And, and some trail angels have a little bit of an agenda which you have to share in if you go to stay in their home. This, this trail angel um, was just so at ease with everyone being there. He was sort of like, do what you like. We can cook together. We can eat together. Use my kayaks, go in the lake, use my bike, cycle around, stay as long as you like. So we were going to do one night there, but we ended up taking a full zero and having two nights there because he just made us feel so at home. And it was so lovely to have that experience. Some of us had injuries. We'd been through the Sierras and it was ready to take, we were ready to take a rest, a rest but we felt the urgency to keep moving. Um, and that was just such an unexpected um, situation to be in. We, it was just so relaxing and lovely. Um, and so kind of that person to offer us his home and his hospitality. Um, but yeah, that, that happens a lot on trail. And I think the best times are when you don't expect it and you don't plan for it. So, yeah. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. The kindness on trail is unreal. Right. And yeah. I like, yeah. I like that you also mentioned, cause a lot of people answer this question with like a trail angel situation, but you also mentioned the hiker to hiker relationship mm. and how beautiful that is too. And how yeah. we watch out for each other on trail. Yeah. So that's definitely worth yeah, yeah. I mean, strangers watch out for you as well. It's, I just hadn't, I didn't know that was part of the trail culture. I'd, I knew there was a highly social trail culture, um, on the long distance trails in the States which we don't really get in, in the UK. So but I just I just wasn't aware of, of how, um, Americans are very hospitable and friendly and approachable and, and want to talk to you and, and want to make sure you're okay and help you if they can and give you a ride or, you know, share something with you and learn about you. It's just, it's just love. It was, that was actually just something I, I did not expect. And it was, so, it was such, such a nice thing to experience. Well, gosh, thank you. I know it's interesting <laughs> as an American to hear what other people have to say about us because sometimes yeah. it's not great feedback, right? But um, it's great to hear that from somebody um, who, who lives in England, who lives in Europe. You know, I talked to Sweetheart last week who's from Germany and he had some opinions on Americans. So it, it's really interesting to hear how we are perceived too. And so yeah. that's wonderful to hear that um, we were hospitable and everything. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful experiences. And this is one of my favorite questions to ask because I get like emotional when hikers talk about their experiences. It's just beautiful. And there are kind people out there, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the trail really restored that faith in humanity with people's um, completely voluntary desire to help strangers. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Love it. Okay, moving on to the next question. What is the greatest lesson you learned while hiking the PCT? Hmm. I reflected a lot on this in my last month because I knew my life would change when I came back um, to the UK to get back on with work. And I didn't want my six months to kind of be in vain to not have done some self-improvement and kind of figured a few things out but I think the one thing I really realized um was that I need time to myself um and I need to make time for myself and when when you go back into normal life whatever that is for me it's very busy and I have lots of pockets of things that I need to be getting on with whether it's work or friends or family or you know doing life admin or whatever exercising <laughs> Um, and you're just very busy in cities and on your phone, on, on your laptop or whatever. And I, I, I really benefited so much from not being switched on to devices and technology and 
and having commitments and having responsibilities and just having time for myself and my own thoughts. Um, I really, really valued that for the six months I was away. So the thing that I, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to find time is just make sure I have time for myself. So whether it's like I, I went to Wales last weekend, actually just completely by myself, just in nature. And it doesn't have to be in nature. I mean, I think sometimes it's just switching off from things. Um, it just kind of restores a balance and um, may, it might seem obvious to some people, but it wasn't to me. I've enjoyed being busy, but I really benefited from not being busy. Yeah, it brought me a sense of balance, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great lesson to learn. I think a lot of us learn a similar lesson out there to slow down. Mm -hmm. Slowing mm -hmm. down really has its benefits in the default world, the real world. Yeah. Yeah. world. <laughs> Good lesson to learn. Perfect. Okay. Last question. I have more questions for you after this, just kind of like follow up and that sort of thing. But the last official question we have for you is, do you have any advice for aspiring through hikers? If somebody asks you, hey, I'm going to hike the PCT soon. What do I need to know? What's my, the biggest thing I need to know? What would that be? Um, I, I can say there's three things I can think of. Okay. One is just get out there and start hiking. Just go and do hiking. Doesn't matter if it's a day, a month, a week, a weekend. Just go and hike. Just get out there and do it doesn't matter if you don't have good gear just just go and do it and then you'll learn so much just by doing it and um whether it's you're gonna buy a tent go and put it up somewhere go and learn about your gear um there are so many bits of advice about what gear to get and what's right for what and, and that that is a very personal thing so what's worked for me might not work for someone else so it's kind of go and practice go and, and go to the shops and look at stuff and you know, buy where you can afford and just go and use it like now. And then you're going to learn so much before you get on trail so that when you're on trail, you you can start enjoying your trail life from day one rather than figuring out your gear from day one and not knowing how to put your tent up or not knowing how to stay warm or um, not having the right shoes. Or like I did, I had trainers for the first time and if I practiced before, I would have got blisters maybe. Um, so that was kind of one, one thing which um, I think would be really helpful. But um, the, the second and the third one are like a bit contradictory. I think um, plan ahead to know what you're getting yourself into. So if you're in snow, what you need to do to figure out snow to keep safe or to keep warm and dry or um, if you're going to be doing long days or if your bag's heavy or, you know, when you're going to take rest and kind of plan ahead so you know what you're doing. So you kind of get the best situation out of it but don't plan too much is my third advice I think if you plan too much you miss opportunities with people that you might meet so I think know what you're getting yourself into by careful planning um but also be flexible enough that when you do meet people you want to see or um may maybe you get injured and you can't actually fulfill the plan that you might have had and you might feel disappointed by that so I think yeah, that'd, that'd be the three things that I'd, I'd suggest to hikers. That's really great advice. Yeah. Plan a little bit, but don't overdo it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a lot of times plans, if you plan very specific things, it just goes out the window. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Can happen on yeah. a long trail. There's so many variables. So yeah, yeah definitely. find a balance. Yeah, I, I think I got into a bit of a stage because I had my trip delayed by a year. I got into a bit of a stage of, oh, I'll get a spreadsheet out and I'll start planning my miles. So I'd sit and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, so I I was I spent a few weekends when it was raining or it's cold outside, which okay, fair enough. Not everyone wants to go outside like that, but it's like that in the UK a lot. I just be on a spreadsheet. And I'm, like, I'm not enjoying this, so I would just go and take myself out on a walk, and then I'd realise, oh, my waterproof's not actually waterproof, or, or my socks have got a hole in because I've been walking and they're not very good socks, so. Yeah, for, for me, actually, the practicality of going and practicing rather than getting bogged into thinking about things and just reading everyone else's opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Great advice. I'm sure the new hikers who are listening in will appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so I have a couple of follow-up questions for you. So the first one is really special. Um, so you were hiking to benefit an organization called Kodo, right? No mm -hmm. one teach one. Is that their? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, 
and this is for disadvantaged youth in Vietnam, correct? So yes, could you tell yes, us a little correct. bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, with the job I do in the UK, um, I'm dim sum. I'm a dim sum expert. Um, our factory is actually in Vietnam. So I've been working in, in the UK and in Vietnam on and off for years. Um, so while I've been in Vietnam, I've had some involvement with a charity out there, which is Koto. Um, they almost adopt young adults and teenagers into their programme. They'll take them from um, disadvantaged backgrounds or, or vulnerable situations and bring them into their um, training programme and they'll house them and um, look after them and teach them mainly hospitality skills. But alongside that would be you know, customer services, business, English, um, a lot of modules that will help them over the, the few years they do this programme. So when they, when they finish, they're actually able to go and set up their own business. And a lot of these young adults will then go back to the village that they came from and set up a business and be successful because they've been given the skills to be successful. And they, they'll be able to help their community and they'll be able to drive you know, economic success in that, in that environment. And some of them will go to universities overseas. They'll get sponsorship because they've advanced to that level. So this charity, Koto, um, relies a lot on donations because it is a very small foundation um and i've and i've been a waitress for 10 years myself so i feel very close to that sort of cause um because i have loved waitressing i, I love working in the food industry um, i think there's a lot of crossovers with what that charity stands for and how i've um had my career progression um so i i've become very attached to vietnam and and their culture and their way of life and um, I've, I've always just absolutely loved meeting people out there. So I wanted to give something back directly to um, an organisation that's very tangible that I will hopefully next year be going to visit and meet the students that are benefiting from the donations. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if, if someone else out there, <laughs> I'll, do my, do, I'll do my plug now, someone else there has um, an interest in donating to my, to my charity, the money goes directly to charity. I'm not taking any contribution for my hike. I self-funded my hike with two years of savings and living on people's sofas. Um, but the, the money all goes to charity and I'm so looking forward to seeing where that money goes. And I'll certainly be sharing that on my, on my social media. Um, it's exciting actually to see, I've nearly hit my goal. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been invited to a graduation ceremony for some of the students. So it's, it's just, really nice to get involved in that kind of project and have seen the generosity of people around me, whether they're strangers from the internet have been very generous and my, my work colleagues and my friends and family, but I've, I've nearly hit my target. So um, keep the donations coming in if you're interested. I'm sure you're going to share a link. Yes. So can you tell I'm like tearing up? It's so beautiful what you're doing. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so we have the link. Uh, we will have the link in the show notes or if you're watching this on YouTube or whatever, we'll have it below the video. So you guys can go ahead and donate. She's almost to her, her goal. So let's get her there, guys. Please. Thank uh, you. So yeah, yeah. Link, link is in the show notes or below the video. So let's let's get her there. Um, and that's so exciting that you get, you get to visit some of the um, the people that this has benefited that's amazing yeah 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 so exciting yeah. I hope oh go ahead no I was just like people, people quite often choose like a really big charity to donate to because it's actually the admin behind donating to a big charity is a lot easier um, they have the resources to set up big campaigns that link up with social media um, but you don't have any direct engagement with that charity um, whereas the charity I've chosen, I've, I've had direct engagement with them. I've had ongoing conversation with lots of people in the charity. Um, and what we're doing catch up as I'm doing reports on what I'm doing and they're sharing what they're doing and to, to go and actually physically see that it's, I'm really excited. It's almost like that the last bit of this whole journey for me, because it has been about raising awareness for, for this, for this cause as well. And, and being able to help people because walking 2,600 miles is no like small thing and people often say to me oh how can I help you can I give you some money for boots and it's like no no, no I'm, I'm saving hard for that please give money to charity so I'm, I'm really happy I'm in a position in my life that I can actually do that it's it's very rewarding yeah beautiful well thank you so much for doing that and um again 
you guys can, you know, the listeners, the viewers can donate as well. So please do that if you are able. Uh, wonderful. So that's a future adventure for you going to um, visit the people that this has benefited. Do you have any other adventures planned in the future if you'd like to share? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to do the West Highland Way in Scotland, which is a hundred mile walk um, in, in for over New Year's Eve with one of my PCT friends. So we've planned a five day, quite challenging trip. It's probably going to snow, um, which is just really exciting. I think it's going to be quite tough and cold and 20 mile days and daylight hours. So yeah, it's something to look forward to. If you want to do the West Highland Way over, over like New Year, wintry, snowy kind of challenges for, for a few years now. So it's finally happening. Great. So that's coming up somewhat soon then, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely be following along. And speaking of following along, where can our listeners and viewers follow along with you? Yeah, so I post mainly on my Instagram. Um, my Instagram, I don't know, should I, should I share what it is or will you do a link? we'll do a link yeah, yeah. so you can yeah. check out the yeah. link in the show notes yeah sure so I, I post a lot on my instagram i like doing stories i've just got to doing, doing reels um i do blog quite a lot i've got a website um it's getting harder and harder to keep up to date with things i think on the pct you did have a little bit of downtime and you can update things on your phone so i was doing podcasts and blogging and lots of pictures and i i really enjoyed that aspect of documenting what i was doing um, and, and now I'm sort of back to my my nine to five job. It's just weekends, so it's a bit harder to keep up to date with things. But yeah, in, Instagram works quite well. So follow along, and I do share my adventures on there. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we're so excited to follow along with everything going on with you. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I wish we could talk longer, um, but we got through our questions. And I did want to ask you about this too. So you have a lot of questions coming in on Instagram from your followers, right? So we mm. were maybe thinking about doing an IG live where I would kind yeah. of facilitate the question. So is that something you still want to do? Yeah, definitely. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. So maybe sometime in January. Uh, yeah. We- I think that's good because I think a lot of hikers will be starting to get ready for their journey and the types of questions people have been asking me on Instagram, there's, there's like clusters of the same topics. So right. I think there's generally a lot of interest from people about certain things. Yeah. yeah, and you sent me the list. So what I could do is I could kind of combine the list. And we went over quite a bit during this session, but mm. stuff that we didn't go over, um, maybe I could kind of combine everything and then I can facilitate that. Um, so yeah. yeah, let's come up with a date. We can do that off offline. But mm-hmm. um, once we come up with a date, I can let everybody know, obviously, on our socials. And then I could even put, if we figure it out kind of soon, like a, a date, I could yeah, put it in the yeah, show yeah. notes. I could put it in the show notes so the people listening to the podcast can also tune in too to the live. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm so excited to um, talk with you more in January yeah. and thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. It's been nice to get, get my memory going again. <laughs> yeah. Well, what an inspiring episode this was. You guys would like to donate to Kodo, you can check out the link in the show notes. We will have all of the links there for you, including that the donation link. So we'll have a link to Dim Sum's Instagram, her blog, the charity donation, obviously. And I'm also going to link the podcast episode that she recorded on trail about that store in Oregon. So I will also link that as well. And if you want to tune in to our IG Live, which is going to be so fun, you can also check out the link in the show notes for the Thruer Instagram. And we will be going live on January 14th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And if you um, need to look up the time, <laughs> um, if you're in a different state or a different country, you can look up Los Angeles, that's Pacific time, and um, figure out from there what time that would be for you. And Dim Sum and I talked about this right after we stopped recording, but um, she's actually moving to Vietnam. And so she just got there and she is going to be doing the live from there. So um, I'm excited to hear more about her experiences in Vietnam. I just took a look at her charity page and she is so close to her goal. So let's get her there, guys. So again, the link is in the show notes for Kodo. If you'd like to get involved with our community online, 
you can go to our website. It is www.thrower.com. That's www.thru-r.com. And on our website, we we just launched a new website. And we have so many amazing features on there for our hikers and also for trail angels. So definitely check out our website so we can all connect. If you love this podcast episode, we would be so grateful if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That really helps with visibility for this podcast, and we want to get the word out and help as many hikers as we can. So that would be amazing if you could give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening today. And until next time, happy hiking.